It's not right. So even if the donkey's dead, it's not right. Uncovering the most amazing stories from the most talented innovators and creatives in marketing, tech and digital. This is the Wonderful People podcast. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Wonderful People podcast with me, Dan Mordab, founder of Wonderful Creative. And me, Phil Jones, founder of the Podge Lunches and Dan's sidekick, mentor and T-boy at the Wonderful Agency. Wow, would you believe all of that? Anyhow, Mr. Jones, how are you and how's your week been? Uh, It's been absolutely fine. Remember I told you a little while back about the highlight of my week was the Ocado delivery? Yep, I certainly do. You do remember that. Well, now it's the dustbin collection. Oh, dear. Those guys, they're fantastic. They come in any weather. We live in the middle of a golf course. They've got to come up a, a little windy path with 14 humps before they even get here. And when you hear that noise outside, when they're cleaning up all the bins, what a fantastic feeling it is. So that's my highlight. They're outside now. I can hear them. Highlight of my week. Brilliant. Now, I 100% agree with you that they are amazing, offer an amazing service and brilliant people. Having said that, you need to get out more. <laughs> so over the next few weeks, our job is to get you out and out and about. Now, that would be lovely if I wasn't in quarantine. Good point. Okay, moving swiftly on. (laughs) Let's dive right in. Today, it's great to be able to introduce Barry Brand. He was my client in the early 90s. He's had an incredible career in the world of design. He's traveled the world and he's worked on some huge projects and some whopper, excuse the pun, brands. As well as founding his own agency, Cockney Herberts, amazing name, I love that. He also has the enviable and very agency title of Creative Energizer at Yellow Global. I have to say there is no one better placed than Barry to own that role as he oozes energy. And I can't wait for Dan and I to have a chat with him about everything from the interview he had with Sir John Hegarty that got him his first job. uh, Why you have to believe in your ideas and stand by them and how his travels across the agency land and the globe from Abu Dhabi to Israel, Lebanon and Bulgaria have shaped him and his career. Barry, just to kick off with, first and foremost, let me ask a really hard question. If you were to be stuck in a lift with someone, who would it be and why? Come on, let's get into the meat straight away. <laughs> okay, so um, that, that person would be Peter Brook. Um, he's a famous... Uh, or infamous, I guess, um, theatre director from the from the sixties. He's still alive. I think he's about ninety two now. Um, and the reason the reason I'd love to get in a, stuck in a lift with him was because it, it, he wrote a book or was involved in a project um, back in the kind of sort of sixties seventies. Um, because my, my you know Cockney Herberts, I come from the East End. Um, my my dad was a prisoner of war for the whole duration of the second world war um and so when i was a kid he wanted me to box and join the army and i wanted to paint dance and act <laughs> it was it was always an interesting you know interesting time um and, and my first kind of influence in in theater which was you know i was i was, I was very interested in art and and drama when i was a kid um, and my you know my biggest influence from that time was was peter brook 
and he created this project called Conference of the Birds, where he, he took a bunch of actors to the Sahara Desert in search of a universal form of theatre, you know, universal form of language. Um, his idea was to, to create theatre that transcended language and could communicate deep, deep emotions to people, no matter who they were and where they were. It was interesting, you know, it's, it's a, and it's a brilliant book. It's, it's called Conference of the Birds, and they, he took Helen Mirren, Ted Hughes wrote, wrote a completely new language for them, that, like sort of meaningless language. Oh. Um, and, and I think that, that kind of, that, that began my kind of interest in, in communicating, really, you know, either through, through theatre or through art or... Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's, you know, that, that book is, is, is something I kind of read every... I don't know two or three years and just go back to and I, and I still find it inspirational so I'd, I'd love to get into a lift with him and, and just talk to him about you know he's still he's still on that mission his work has never been mainstream it's always been really kind of eclectic and and different and uh, and I just love that about him and he's still you know he's still he's still he's still working to this day sounds like you'd need a big lift yeah. <laughs> with the birds Khalifa or something it'd have to be a very big building yeah exactly yeah indeed brilliant uh, well barry i knew you as a typographer yes those days when every big agency had at least one typographer and quite a few of them had uh, probably four or five people in that team and uh, now i notice you describe yourself as a creative energizer yes i'd love to know in your own words what what's that journey been like and and tell us more about the new the role as you describe it now well, I mean, it's been in, you know, our industry is, is brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's always been brilliant. I've always loved it, you know, and it's, it's allowed me to, to go on a, on a brilliant journey and work with just amazing people, you know, inspiring people. And, you know, yeah, you know, that, you know, I started as, as, a, as a kind of sort of typo, typographer, as it was then known. Um, I got my, my, my first kind of advertising job at BBH, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and I've gone on that journey of, of, you know, kind of sort of design, typography, art direction, head of art, creative director, um, then got into more sort of strategic kind of thinking. And on that journey in, in, in many parts of the world, you know, my, my kind of realisation, I guess, is, is how, more, how, how difficult it is these days to, to maintain the energy of a, of, a, of a good idea. You know, I think we've probably all been in, in a room, you know, or you know, had an idea ourselves or been in the room when, when a great idea comes up and it has, it's got an energy. You know, people get excited. It's like, you know, people talk about it. They go, we're onto something here. And then you've got to go through that whole process of, of, of making it happen. You know, part of our, you know, part of our job um, was always, you know, about, you know, nurturing that idea and then executing it. And, and you know, my experience is that um, it's become much more difficult to do that. Um, there's a lot more fear in the, in the world. You know, there's a lot more corporate fear. Um, there's a lot more creative fear. Um, and I, I started to explore, a few, you know, um, a few years back now, kind of what, how do you build a, 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 an optimal creative environment? And that, that wasn't just within an agency. That was, you know, how do you do it with your clients? How, how do you bring them in on the, on the journey? Um, 
and and so I went off and, and studied lots of different things. Um, you'll, you'll hear about that a little bit later as well. Um, and, and, and behaviors, you know, and, and kind of sort of psychology of people in a room together and ways in which you can hack that environment and, and change the environment so that people are all in the same place and they're, and they're kind of conducive to, to yes and in ideas is what I call yes and in ideas. One of my, one of my mentors and, and, and great in, you know, people that have inspired me in my career is John Pallant from Saatchi and Saatchi. And, and together we, we did, you know, the, the, he involved me in the art school, um, the Ideas Academy, which was Saatchi's training program for creatives. And we started to look at this, you know, kind of how, how you kind of build a, an environment for creativity. And so a big part of my job now is, you know, I've, I've, not, I've not only got kind of Cockney Herberts, um, but I also am a, I'm a part, business partner with Jane in Amsterdam. And we've got a company called Yellow Global. And we do, we do strategy, you know, for big businesses. More on the, create, on the client side than on the creative side, but we're starting to work with agencies as well. Um, and a big part of my job is to, to unlock, you know, and, and get rid of all the stuff that's going to get in the way. Um, and that is a, an energetic process. And, you know, it, it's about creating the right energy, the right environment for, for, for great stuff to happen, basically. I need to ask you what, <clears throat> what the energy was required to go straight out of university and straight into BBH. <laughs> um, um, well, there pound notes change hands in that little transaction. <laughs> Well, there's a, there's a really there's a really funny story. <laughs> I mean, it, I wasn't I did I did I was working. It wasn't my first job, but I was working in a design agency called Paul Russell Design in Covent Garden, and we used to I used to sit there and design Sheraton Hotel brochures um, with Paul, and um, and it was in the days of typesetting, and we used to send typesetting out, and I wanted to up the ante, um, so I started using Rabbit Repro. An old typesetters, which you will know, Phil. I do very well. And, a, and a col an old colleague of ours called Mr. Tim Lewis. He used to come in and take the brief from me. Um, and back in those days, I mean, it was interesting because there was there was a real divide between design and advertising. It was really there was no there wasn't really much crossover at the time. There was design agencies over here and advertising agencies over here. And I'd very much come through you know through the sort of design school, um, and and so. You know, understood. You know, and knew the design industry. Didn't really know the ad industry. And Tim came in one day and said, "Listen, mate, said, there's a there's a job going at BBH." I was like, "Who?" He was like, "BBH." <laughs> he was like, "I reckon, you know, I reckon you might like it." Um, they gave me the number. He was the head of type. Not Mike Lee. It wasn't Mike Lee. No, it will come to me. He'll kill me. He'll kill me for not remembering. <laughs> he was my first proper boss. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that. But anyway, it, eventually, I, so I, I called, I had a meeting with him. Um, it went well. I had a, I had a, and then I had a meeting with Pete Spratt, who was head of traffic, and that went well. And then eventually they called me in for a third interview with John Hegarty, and it was down to me and one other person. Um, and I, I, I'd found a little bit of, about BBH. You know, I knew kind of what, the, what their clients were. I knew they were quite famous for the Levi's work they were doing. Um, I didn't know a lot, really. Right, and this is no word of a lie. On the day of the interview, I was on the tube up from the East End, and there was a magazine. Phil, you'll remember this, um, called um, Design and Art Direction. Yeah. 
And bizarrely, someone had left a copy of it on the train. So I just picked it up and started thumbing through it on the journey. And there was a, a you know, like a four page article on John Hegarty. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm like, fucking hell, I'm going to see this bloke. <laughs> and I, and it, was, it was both kind of sort of daunting because I was like, oh, wow, he's, he's, a, he's a much bigger kind of figure than, I, than I'd realised. But the great thing about it was there was an ad, one of their ads, which was written by Barbara Noakes for Dr. White's sanitary towels. Okay. And it really caught my attention. Um, not because it just it looked great, but it, it was just a cut through ad. You know, it was a, it was a, on the on the left hand side. It had a picture of a bloke wearing a bra and knickers, and then on on the right hand side, it was a page of type. It was a long copy ad, and, and the headline said something like, "You know, have you ever wondered um, uh, how men would cope if they had periods?" You know what I mean? Um, and then it was a beautifully written. It was just beautifully written copy by Barbara saying, "You know, look, you know, we're not saying that we can make." having a period a laugh but what we are saying is that you know it might not be so much of a bloody nuisance excuse the pun um and it looked great and it looked great and um and so I got to the interview with John and um I showed him my little kind of sort of <laughs> my portfolio of work and the one thing we ended up talking about was I'd worked on a Comets and Dixons ad right it was a page full of washing machines and household appliances and I made it look good through typography I mean, it was all price it was all price driven little starbursts and stuff but I'd, I'd done a real number on it you know um, and it never it never ran actually it never ran the way I, I designed it but I showed it to him because I said look you know you know I can even make a, a retail ad look good and and then and then I said look you know I didn't tell him that I'd only seen the ad the the, the, the Lily White's ads that day but I started talking about Lily White's ad and I sort of said, look, you know, I think that's great. It had, a, it had a graph in the middle as well, right in the slap bang in the middle of the ad. It had a graph. And so I just said, look, I think it's, you know, I think that's, that's the kind of work I'd like to work on. And he went, you're hired. Um, and, um, and everyone was like, oh, well, can we, we've got one more. He went, no, you're hired. So that, that was that. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you did work in that era when a lot of those legends were really at their peak as well. So there was, uh, in WCRS, who would have been the John Hegarty equivalent? Well, I guess it was Rooney, yeah, for sure. WCRS was amazing. Um, it was definitely by far the most biggest party agency I've ever worked at. Um, we worked really, really hard and we played very, very hard. <laughs> Um, and I think, you know, Rooney was great. He would just let you do stuff, you know, just go, yeah, okay, yeah, great. All right, do it, do it, do it. Um, but he was very hot and cold. Um, I think I think he was, you know, he was renowned kind of sort of firing, firing people. He fired me about three times um, <laughs> while, while I was there and, um, and then got reinstated. It was a very funny kind of uh, situation with Rooney, which was, I don't know, quite remember what happened. I don't, for, for once, I don't think it was because I'd been out on the piss and hadn't turned up. Um, it was, it was a, I think I was traveling and we got delayed and we were pitching for, for, for first direct bank. Right. And he needed me to style all the campaign. Um, and I missed the, the kind of sort of big, you know, kind of sort of drive to get all the work done. Um, so I, I kind of got off. I think I remember getting off the plane, like getting all these messages and like, you know, so I ended up going to get going straight to the agency and he's sort of, you know, in Rooney's sort of imitable style, you went, now you're fucking fired, go and fuck off. <laughs> and I basically, I basically stayed up all night and restyled all the ads and did them all again. 
as I thought they should be. Yeah. And I left him on I left them on a big pile on his desk and I said, if you if you think this is better than the, the work that's been done, I'll stay fired. But if not, I'll t- I'll see you tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he went with my stuff. So <laughs> it sounds like probably on one of those uh, points where you got fired, that uh, around about two thousand and eight, you decided to genuinely fuck off. <laughs> you went <laughs> what was involved in that? How you suddenly went from being UK based to being a global traveller? Um, I guess kind of, I worked with some great agencies and, you know, it was brilliant. Worked with some amazing people. You know, 2000, 2001, a lot of stuff happened in, in my life. And, you know, I had, a, I had a massive kind of sort of burnout moment. And they were brilliant. You know, Tiger Savage, you know, was, was, was fantastic. And she kind of sort of, you know, supported me through that. Bill, you know, you were around that time and, you know, you supported me as well. A lot of people, you know, brilliantly supported me. But I, I guess it was the first time ever in my whole life I'd ever stopped to think about things, you know. And it was a, it was a kind of a turning moment for me because, you know, I, I was suddenly, you know, separated from everything that I knew in a room, being asked to, to sort of write, you know, the things from my childhood. Um, and yeah, and and so there was, you know, you'd if you'd have kind of asked me prior to that, you know, you know, how was you? How was, it, I was going, yeah, it was brilliant, it was great. But there were some things that you know that affected me, um, and and probably kind of sort of driven me, you know, both driven me, but also kind of created this slightly kind of hedonistic, you know, probably self-destructive part of my personality. Um, and so it was a, you know, it was an, an incredible kind of sort of moment, really. And and I guess that was that fascinated me because I was like, oh, mm, there's something into the, you know, this kind of sort of self you know, self exploration. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I kind of sort of, you know, came out of that. You know, Tim Tim Mellors gave me a job at Gray. You know, he was he was brilliant. Um, uh, and then and then I kind of I I, I obviously I was doing a lot of self-development work and kind of sort of you know getting in touch with stuff and and I started to think mm, okay I, I feel a bit more kind of like I, you know we can use what we do as an industry to change things um so I, I did a I did a we started a company up with um, um Tom Winnick um we had a company called Line in the Sand and we were you know it was all about you know working with ethical brands and brands that wanted to make a difference probably probably a bit too Soon, to be honest, we'd be very popular now. I think if we, were. <laughs> um, um, but it was difficult, and and we did some amazing projects, you know, with some amazing people. Um, but there wasn't really any money at that time for people to support it. So I kind of I started. I'd, I'd met kind of lots of amazing people, and I'd let I'd met a lot more of the old Saatchi crew. Um, I'd met kind of sort of John Pallon and Alex Taylor. Um, um, and John had, had begun to create this thing called the Ideas Academy, um, which was a training program for all of Saatchi, the Saatchi creatives around the world. So you could send your creatives to the Ideas Academy. Um, and he was putting in different people. He was putting in behaviorist people and strategists and a guy that did, you know, um, improvisational theater, you know, to stimulate kind of creative thinking. And out of that, came a, 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 um, a process called Tribe, which became very, very successful for Saatchi. So it was a, it was basically a two day, two days um, of intense brainstorming, basically. So you'd get the brief, you know, you get a brief, you know, in the morning, get to ask any questions, 
the, you'd bring the client into that. And then everyone, you know, you would go off in teams and then for an hour, have as many ideas as you could, bring your best back to the table. Over, over a period of two days, you're going to filter down and get some brilliant ideas. And so I loved it. I, I really loved that. I really like, you know, because it involved, it didn't involve just kind of sort of your, your creativity, but there's also we'd break and sort of do some facilitation stuff and some, you know, energizing stuff. And, and I really enjoyed that. And then we started doing it in different parts of the world, you know, and we do tribes in different parts of the world. And that was amazing. That was kind of like, wow, okay, you know, I've got a skill set and, you know, that is transferable. The fascinating thing for me was that in agencies in every different part of the world, the characters were similar. The art directors were similar in nature. The writers, you know, were as equally as grumpy as they are everywhere, you know. <laughs> um, so it was interesting. It was like this replication of that the industry attracts certain types of people to certain elements of the of the job. And that was fascinating. And I, and I did get the travel bug. And it was at that point that I was doing little stints with, you know, different Saatchi agencies. And then you'd do a little stint and come away. You never really got to see the results. So I said to John, you know, I'd love to do this, you know, a little bit longer, do a longer term, you know, project with an agency. Um, you know, send me somewhere interesting. Where, where's interesting <laughs> in the world? And um, he said, well, guys in Beirut doing some amazing stuff. Um, I didn't really know. I mean, obviously, I knew you know, Beirut for, for all the bad reasons. I didn't know much else about it. But the thing that did attract me was that my dad had been through there, you know, during the war. Um, and not you know prior to the war he you know he, he joined the army and uh, he ended up in down in palestine so i thought well, okay well I, I might as well go and see you know where my dad's been because i've never been to that part of the world um so i got on this plane yeah i got on this plane and and you know went to meet the guys in beirut and and complete contrast to what you might imagine you know obviously kind of that plane. i remember that i never i really remember that plane journey quite vividly because i was thinking Hmm. Part of the information I've been given that it's a it's a completely international city and it's you know completely fine, and then obviously you, in the back of your head you go well it, it's still kind of a little bit conflicty, you know there still is a you know uh, a regime and a, a, a militia called the Hezbollah operating in the country. It was like kind of butterflies in my stomach, you know, like landing, you know, um, and it was only it was two thousand eight, so it was only two years out of quite sort of serious kind of conflict. Um, and back then there was tanks and army checkpoints, you know, so coming out of the office, coming out of the, the airport, there was a checkpoint where the, the army guy was on the side, I landed on a Sunday night, I don't forget, he banged his, his machine gun on the window to, for the taxi driver to wind down the window. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm somewhere different. Um, but then, you know, you, you, you know, you get to the city, Beirut, it's, it was fantastic. It was like any international city. It was thriving, full of amazing kind of sort of creative people and had four, no, five, nearly five fantastic years there. Um, so. Are you enjoying our podcast? Remember to subscribe, share and leave us a review. How close were you to where everything went off in two weeks? Well, I spoke, I spoke to the guys in the office the day after it happened just to check if they were okay because we weren't that far. We weren't that far, really. We were about three miles, I think, from the actual explosion. And um, the Saatchi office where we used to, used to work, had, all the windows were, had been blown in. Part of it had been damaged you know, by, the, by the aftershock of the, of the blast. And thankfully, um, lots of you know, cuts and bruises, some more serious than others. No fatalities, uh, thank you. Thank goodness. And, and so far, I've got a lot of friends there. You know, no one's, 
um, been hurt. But yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty sad. It's kind of like a like a double whammy, I think, because the the week before the economy had collapsed. I mean, the, the, there's a, a big controversy. You know, the bankers stole over six billion of dollars. So overnight, if you had dollars in the bank, they just disappeared. So um, it, it, it's catastrophic on its own. But it's it's even more catastrophic given what's happened in the country. So it's very sad to see such a. I mean, there's such a, it's such a fantastic place, and there's such a fantastic people, you know. Um, but it's it's just yeah. Hey Dan, ask Barry about those travels. I tell you what, I mean, it's, I'm just listening in. There's so many interesting stories and so many interesting parts to your career because it's not just what you do it's who you do it with and where you've done it and how you've done it and I think that forms that forms a certain world view and approach to things but I'm going to ask you a couple more personal questions now sure. this is where we get down and personal so mm-hmm. what was the last thing that you saw that you thought do you know what that's truly wonderful that really is good stuff because there's so much noise nowadays right you know mm-hmm. there is so much with the way communications evolved and technologies evolved there's the obvious benefits, but it creates so much white noise. And I'm not just asking, I'm not just talking about creative stuff, but what was something that you saw that you thought, do you know what, that's really wonderful? I, I think, I mean, it, it is, it comes from our industry um, and it comes from, you know, part of the team was, was someone that I know from, from this part of the world, from the Balkans. Um, so it was Jorg who, who runs the publicist office in, in Romania. And it was the WAPA, it's the, it's the WAPA ad, the KM the WAPA ad. Um, I love it for, for two main reasons. One, it's, it's fucking brave, right, for, for the client. Um, and two, it represents uh, a brand doing something better, okay? So the fact that they've got rid of all their artificial ingredients in their Whoppers is a good thing. <laughs> and, and they turned it into an incredible piece of communication. Um, and I, and I, and I you know... I'm, I love it because it, it shows the power of a, of a great idea. You know, it had so much cut through. And, and also, I can't remember who, who told me this, but it's true and I've experienced it and you would have experienced it, we would have experienced it. You know, a great idea polarizes people. Yeah. Right? You know, when I've walked into boardrooms with, with a great idea, half the people hate it and oppose it and half the people love it, you know, and that's, that means it's got energy come back to you know being a creative energizer it's got energy do you know what i mean it's it's landing something with someone it's it's causing a reaction you know that's what it should that's what it's about right it's like we you know we do what we do to to draw attention to things absolutely the whole reason you know we're in the business you know a client comes to us and says we want to shine a light on this thing you know we want people to notice it you know we want to we want to put it up above the parapet and you know kind of like you know, shine a light on it. And, um, and unfortunately, you know, we've come to a place where it's the methodology is so commoditized, you know. Um, one thing that really drives me and, and is, is part of the work that I'm doing now with Yellow and, and with Cockney Herberts is, is, to, is to get rid of that. You know, I, I, I see so much, I've seen so much wasted resource in agencies. It's, it's shocking. You know, that you, you get a brief and people work really hard on it for three months and they come up with three routes and they and they flesh it out in every single channel. And then they take it to the to the client and the client goes, Oh yeah, no, that's not right. Fuck me. Stop it. <laughs> you know, it's 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 shocking. It's like don't, you know, don't get that far down the line. 
you know, to, to, to realise that things are going in the wrong direction. It's ludicrous, you know? And, and, and there's, I mean, there's many things that play into that, experience and, you know. I mean, one of, the, one of the interesting things, you know, now, you know, with Yellow, you know, one of our clients is, is William Grant and we're, we're doing internal strategy for them. And that a conversation that we used to have all the time in agencies, you know, we'd, we'd be sitting around the board table, you know, boardroom table with the owners of the business discussing, you know, you know what they needed and, and, and how we were going to kind of approach it. And, and I think that's changed. One of the things, um, again, you know, that led me to, to, to where I am now is I saw, I saw some brilliant work coming out of my credit departments, you know, um, but some of that work went beyond advertising. Okay, so some of, some of that work wasn't an answer to a marketing brief. You know, it, it, it was just a great idea that would help them, but it might not answer the marketing brief that they gave us. And so I became, you know, when I came to, I mean, I, I live in Bulgaria now, another interesting part of the world, uh, but I came here with, you know, to, to work with Saatchi. And I came here to sort of set up a, an innovation lab to, with the idea to sort of take creative and strategic thinking into different parts of a business. So don't give us the marketing brief. Give us your, give us your business problem, right? You know, what, you know and, it, and, and it, cha- you know, it changed things. I mean, I, you know, we, we got a brief. When I first got here, we were working for a big telecom in the country um, and they wanted to increase the, um, they wanted to increase the, 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 their pay-as-you-go sim. And um, and they were like they'd already come up with a target audience, so they were you know they were saying right well there's a there's a group of of people that we specifically want to target you know low income kind of sort of taxi driver you know like it's like okay all right well let's just go back a little bit you know what what what's the, actually forget about the marketing brief for a minute what what's the what's the business problem and they went well we need to sell seventy thousand sims in three months okay that's a much more exciting brief. <laughs> if you don't mind how we do it <laughs> we'll come back to you with some ideas <laughs> you know what I mean and, and the ideas that came back weren't, weren't particularly you know they were like you know we, we created a lottery and you know it was like you know I won't go into the details of it but you know um, so that's it you know it's interesting it's it's you know it's kind of like how do we how do we get back to that kind of simple like you know like you were saying you know what you guys do you know, it's 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 become too complex in my view massively no it has i think i think people get so confused between the the marketing brief the business brief the channel strategy and it all gets locked up in complexity straight away well, actually, a good idea is a good idea. It transcends, you know, most channels most of the time. And if you go back to the, the, the Whopper ad, what Burger King have done consistently is create their own unique tone of voice and their own positioning consistently over all channels. They've been absolutely brilliant. I want to move on and talk a little bit more about sort of the, the depths of your career because you've done so many really interesting things, but you must have landed in some funny hot water moments. <laughs> Come on. Give us the lowdown now. Okay, so interesting, kind of like the, the, the guys in, in Beirut have got a brilliant sense of humour. And um, I've been there about a week. And they were like, Barry, it, listen, it's, we, we, need your, we need your brain for a minute. We just want to, you know, um, get, your, get your feedback on this. And they, they created a, um, they had a, a kind of sort of charity um, for uh, anti-drink driving, right? And the, there's an insult in Lebanese Arabic, um, which is called hamor, which is donkey, right? Which is which is quite a serious insult, and people tend to use it when people do something stupid 
on the on a you know driving you know like kind of it's it's pretty it's pretty kind of quite a big insult um so they've created this you know little little tv ad um where, you, where it was like a car ad where it was like you know like kind of, sort of this car cutting in and out of traffic really funny like changing gear it was like you know like you know six speeds do you know what i mean not to 60 in whatever do you know what i mean da 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 right um whatever horsepower right and, and, and the car spins around, does a kind of handbrake turn at the end, and the, and the window goes down, and the guy driving it is a donkey, you know? He goes, I'm one, I'm one donkey, <laughs> right? Um, and they were like, this end scene, um, how we're gonna shoot it is people eat donkeys here, so we're gonna go and buy a donkey's head at the butcher's, and we're gonna hollow it out. I went, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. I mean, you're gonna what? You know, we're just going to hollow out the, you know, rather than all that, that CGI shit, we're just going to hollow out the, 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 the head and we're just going to put it on the guy. <laughs> I went, you can't do that. <laughs> I said, you can't do that. <laughs> I went, that'd be fine. I went, what? No, you can't do that. <laughs> it's not right. I said, even if the donkey's dead, it's not right. Anyway, this went on for about two days and it, it was a fucking wind-up. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, they don't eat donkeys there, and they, you know. <laughs> uh, it's coming. This time, sadly, is coming to an end. I know. It's, it's terrible. We haven't we haven't spoke about half the things we wanted to talk about. Phil. No. So tell us something about you that people might find surprising, because a lot of what you've said surprises me. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so what probably will the people that we know and and uh, will find surprising about me is that um, when I was in Abu Dhabi. Um, I took some time off and, and went to South Africa and, and I trained as an energy psychologist. I got a qualification which enables me to be a practitioner of a method called emotional freedom technique. Ooh. And, and it's, um, you can look it up and, you know, I can send you some more details about it, but it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant brain hack. It just in, it involves tapping on the meridian points uh, on, on your, in your body, which is like over the eyes, top of the head, and there are many points. And, and I use it in boardrooms now. So do you know Hyper Island? Yeah, very well. So, so Hyper Island have got a lot of fantastic facilitation tools, one of which is, is something that I use quite a lot called Stinky Fish. So I give everyone a stinky fish in the, in the room and I, and I get them to write in the, in the middle of it. But what's going what's to get in the way of this project from your perspective? You know, what's going to get in the way of you doing what you've got to do? What's going to get in the way of this project, you know, seeing the light of day? Right. And it's really interesting because pretty much from, from the CEO, you know, right down to whoever's in the room, pretty much the fears are the same. You know, either the CEO's frightened that the campaign's not going to, you know, work or they're not going to meet his targets or it's just fear, you know, lots and lots of fear. Um, and so I get everyone tapping, I get everyone tapping and, I, and, and the, the narrative goes like this, goes, even though I'm frightened or I'm worried or I'm stressed about whatever it is, um, I deeply and completely accept that part of me. And in this moment, I'm open to the idea and then you put a positive on it, all right? Um, and, I did, and, I, and I do this a lot and it's, it, so it's, it's a much deeper process and a lot more science behind it. Um, but it's a, it's a really quick hack for changing the energy in a room. And kind of leveling everyone out, and I, you know, I did it. I did it in front of an audience of a thousand, you know, Bulgarian 
creatives, advertising clients um, about two years ago. And I, and I said, like, you know, I've got everyone tapping in the audience. And I said, even though, you know, you, you know, part of you may believe that Bulgaria is one of the poorest countries in Europe, I want, I want you to be open to the idea that actually you are the capital of new Europe and that you fucking rock. And the, and the energy, it was like, um, yeah, so what you don't know about me is that I'm qualified to do that. I, I work, I, I, I've got a select number of clients that I work with on a coaching basis, and I use that methodology to, to help work through problems and, and, and fear. Are you going to come back to England, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I kind of, um, uh, I am a little bit addicted to living abroad. <laughs> um, I didn't. I didn't think that living in the sun would make such a big difference to my life, but it does. <laughs> so I am. I am a little bit kind of sort of attracted to the sunnier climes in the world. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a really vibrant city, Sofia, and and it's got an incredible tech community that's that's really kind of sort of thriving at the moment. So you know, it, it's it's conducive to some of the projects that we're doing at the moment because we're building some tech you know with, with people and and looking at uh, how we how we transfer some of you know some of the stuff that we've we've done for, for William Grant we're now transferring on, onto an online platform um so yeah um so yeah it's and it's an easy place to travel out from I can get home on a plane quicker than than I can get to Manchester you know so wow. it's it's a it's a it's a it's a good spot for me to be, be at the moment. Um, I might come back eventually. <laughs> you don't sound convinced. What do you miss the most over here? Um, fish and chips, pie mash. <laughs> but but I'm 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 kind of sort of making uh, kind of regular pie mash nights for friends out here. I've got this I've got this thing now because I've been in, I've lived in so many places that I've. I've got a pie for everywhere I live. So um, I, I, do, I do kind of pie and mash with a local theme. Thanks <laughs> to you, Dan. That was it. Connie Herbert's was the original name for my pie brand. But I was literally about to ask, where did that come from? <laughs> there we go. There you go. There we go. So look, we're coming into land now. We've got loads more we could talk about. Like you said, we haven't covered off half of it. But I want to ask you one final question. So as an agency, we're all about sort of taking complex client problems and making them wonderfully simple. So what's one of life's complexities you would like to see made simpler? I think it's that. I think, you know, my work now is about that. It's about how do we simplify the, the process of, um, you know, coming up with a creative idea and selling a creative idea to change behavior for the better. That's, that's, you know, that's the thing that I'm interested in. You know, I think, I think what we do is very powerful. Um, it works. Um, I personally believe we have a responsibility to be responsible. So I think where we can, it's to help, you know, part of the work we're doing at the moment is, is I think brands and, and businesses are, are generally, they want to, they want to do better, but they don't know where to start. So that's part of the stuff that we're doing at the moment. How do we simplify that? How do you help a business authentically, you know, change, you know, and, and evolve in this in this day and age? You know, it's and, and it's not, you know, it's not about paying lip service to it. It's not about greenwashing or 
you know, but authentic, you know, like what, you know, you might not be able to change everything right now, but you could change this or you could change this, you know, and, and, and helping them, uh, helping them navigate their way through that and simplifying it. Perfect. What a great way to end this episode. Simplifying creativity. There we go. (laughs) Thank you, you, Phil. And thank you, Dan. Yeah, it's been really lovely. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Much appreciated. Welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to the Wonderful People podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Wonderful Creative Agency. Find out more at thewonderful.co.uk.